The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In this episode, I'm speaking to Kate, aka the Mama's Alchemist, about the early loss of her first pregnancy and then the pregnancy and birth of her little baby, Ava. Kate is a registered midwife and Chinese medicine practitioner herself, so she brings all of that knowledge and experience to her reflection of birth and postpartum. She chose to birth outside of the hospital system with an independent midwife and had a positive and straightforward home birth. In this episode, Kate shares how she prepared for postpartum and what the first five weeks of motherhood have been like so far. I really think this story is a wonderful example of how impactful actively preparing for those challenging early weeks of postpartum can be. And I'll let Kate share her story. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? That's okay. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, really well. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying it's it's super cold here, which is strange for December, so I'm all cozy with a woolen blanket and yeah, really excited about hearing your birth story. Yeah, we're um I'm in Perth, so today it's really hot actually. It's probably over thirty, but yeah, we've got all the windows open and all the the doors open to let the breeze through. But it's crazy that we can be like in the same country but the weather is I guess so different. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and you're kind of um, in the birth world as well, so maybe a little bit about your work? Sure. Um, so I'm Kate. Um, I live with my partner, Aaron, and we've just had a baby girl. Her name is Ava. Um, she's nine weeks on Thursday, so pretty new still. Um, I am based in Perth, like I said, just south of Perth, Um We don't have any pets or anything like that at the moment, but maybe one day. And I am a registered midwife and also a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, but most of my focus um, has always been on women's health, pregnancy, fertility, postpartum stuff. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And, um, yeah, I love, I guess, supporting lots of women through as a midwife or as a Chinese medicine practitioner through their fertility, pregnancy and postpartum journeys. So I had a bit of knowledge, I guess, coming into my, when I was planning to conceive and stuff like that. But yeah, you do learn a lot when you are going through the journey yourself as well. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here and to be able to share my story. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, so going back to pre-Ava, what was the decision like to start a family and, um, yeah, how did how, how did her conception come about? So 
I moved to Perth. I met my partner in, um, I'm from Sydney actually. Um, and I lived in Darwin for three years. I moved there, um, when I was 25. Um, and I met my partner there. He's from in Perth. So we met up in Darwin and then had a long distance relationship for a while. Then I ended up moving here two years ago. Um, yeah, just about two years ago now. And, um, basically when I moved here, we decided we wanted to try and have a baby. Um, at the time my partner worked away, so he was a fly and fly out worker and I moved here and, um, I didn't have any friends or family here, but all of my partner's family is based in Perth. So, um, I had some people I knew, but I started a new job and there was a lot of things going on at the time. Um, and we actually fell pregnant in, it was June of 2019. Um, and unfortunately we lost that baby at nine weeks, um, which was quite upsetting um I think as a midwife you know that the childbearing and pregnancy journey can be so you know it looks very different for lots of people but I think when you go through that yourself you have a totally different understanding of what it feels like and for me it felt like the world had ended and I think I'd just gotten to the point where we'd had an eight-week scan and everything was perfectly fine and then I think when we had when I knew that the it was a mis- miscarriage when it happened at work as well. Um, when it had happened and they measured the baby, it two days after we'd had that scan is when it passed away. So for me, I think after that initial scan, I was feeling like really positive and like really excited. And then to feel like everything just was taken away was really, really hard. Um, and yeah, so that was pretty upsetting. And then we'd had a trip planned over to Europe, which luckily we did last year because of all the COVID and stuff this year. Um, Mm -hmm. We had this holiday sort of planned that was a great time, but I think the whole time I just, you know, was like, when can we have another baby? And it it really took like another seven months from when that miscarriage happened to conceive Ava. And I think through that journey, like I was so anxious and so worried and I felt so many different emotions. Like, you know, I worked a lot in labor ward and I think when you've gone through something like that and then you're looking after women that are having their own baby um it kind of it, it's really hard um to I guess show up every day to work and like be really excited and positive for these other people and then you go home and you feel like well what did I do wrong and why can't I have that like why can't I have the family I want um but I had to do a lot of self-work through that time and I got linked into uh um like a perinatal psychologist um, who specialised in things like loss and grief um, and miscarriage, which was really helpful just to sort of chat about how I was feeling and what I guess is normal and not normal. Um, and then, like I said, after seven months of um, trying to conceive, my partner stopped working fly and fly out or FIFO at that time as well to make things a bit easier because um, – the, the swings he was on was a two week and two two weeks on two weeks off so he'd be away sort of at the fertile or like the best time and then be home at the time it didn't really matter as much so that helped a lot um and then yeah I'd actually I think I remember her conception because I went to a woman's circle um run by who are now a close friend of mine we've gotten to know each other really well she's just had a baby as well and um, she ran a women's circle and it was all with um, birth workers and people in the birth sort of industry. So there was a couple of midwives and doulas and other people there. And I think I really felt at that circle it was held, um, I think it was like a Friday night, but it was a dark moon in January. And I feel like I like was able to let go and shed a lot of 
things that were holding me back and I went home that night and, you know, we made love. And, yeah, that was, I feel like, when she was conceived because two weeks later I found out I was pregnant with our baby. So, Mm. yeah, quite a journey, but, yeah, we got there in the end. Oh, that's so beautiful. But, um, yeah, sounds sounds really hard as well. And I guess, yeah, like you said, hard being in the hospital and seeing mothers and new babies and families being born every day and, and trying to process that at the same time. Of course. I think it's hard too because I, you know, with my business and things like that, like I'm all about supporting people whatever journey they're on, but it's also not appropriate to be like, oh, this is what, you know, I'm going through and that kind of thing. So it was really hard to sort of find people that I could talk to about that. And that also when something like that happens and like you are grieving, like grief can look so different for a lot of people, but people that I just sort of found people that care about you, like will say to you, oh, you know, how are you feeling? I'm really sorry that happened. And then you sort of have a couple of minutes to tell them how you're feeling and then they won't ever ask you again, like, how's that feeling for you? So you sort of processing and dealing with all these things on your own. And then with this pregnancy with Ava, I think it took to probably like 14 or 15 weeks till I really felt like I could just relax and enjoy the pregnancy because I just felt so worried that the same thing would happen again. So I kind of didn't want to be too attached. Um, as, and then when I allowed myself to be attached to the baby and just enjoy it, you know, whatever would happen, I found it a lot easier within myself to do that. Mm, yeah. And um, and going back to Arva's conception, how did you feel when you found out that you were finally pregnant again? Um, I did about three pregnancy tests um, <laughs> because I had this thing when we were trying to conceive, I'd always say, you know, unless a period's like a, some people, I guess, notoriously pee on sticks. And for me, I wasn't one of those people. But my rule would always be if my period's like five days to seven days late, then I would do a test, which didn't happen that often. Like I'm pretty regular with cycles. Um, but yeah, when I did the test, I checked three of them. And I remember I'd come home from work and I did three tests. My partner was in the shower and the toilet was in a separate room. And then I ran into the shower and I said to him, oh, my God, I'm pregnant. And he was like, what? And then he said, oh, I'm not sure if um, how reliable those pregnancy tests are. He's like, maybe we'll just wait for a blood test to confirm it. <laughs> because yeah. I think he didn't want me to get my hopes up again and, like, be disheartened. So I was there crying and feeling, like, so elated and overwhelmed with joy. And, you know, I think inside he also felt excited but also didn't want, you know, the same kind of thing to happen again. But I was so over the moon and just I just felt something was different this time like it was yeah I've part of me was like it's going to be okay and then I guess all those doubtful thoughts sort of as the days continued of the pregnancy like I was just really like oh is it you know I go to the toilet every time I went to the toilet to do a wee and I look for blood like for probably 15 weeks like every time I you know just that constant fear of anxiety um Mm. but I was so excited and so happy because you know we we both made a lot of lifestyle changes after them. Not that we were, you know, I guess not healthy people, but we consciously made a lot of um, changes to our lifestyle and, you know, taking certain vitamins and, like, really focusing on, like, reducing my stress and um, that kind of thing and meditation. Like, I did heaps of meditation, like, every day um, through that, I guess, seven months and then all throughout the pregnancy as well. So I do guided meditations and just really focus on my mindset and that kind of thing to really help 
um, which obviously it did. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just so happy that finally we were blessed with our little baby. Yeah, amazing. And, yeah, I mean, I guess being a midwife yourself, it would be all over what your options were. How did you come to the decision to have a home birth and what were some of the factors that you were kind of um, thinking about? So for me, like when we were pregnant and had the miscarriage, I'd already prior to that, I had done a lot of research because in Perth there are a lot of options. We're really lucky. Um, and there are like the CMP for a go through the hospital um, and there are independent midwives as well for a home birth. And I knew I wanted to have a home birth. Um, I'd never, even as a student midwife, unfortunately, I never got the opportunity to see a home birth. So, and no one in my family or immediate circle had had a home birth. So it was quite a foreign concept to a lot of people. But for me, it just felt like the right thing. Um, and just from different clients I'd had and I think understanding the system because I work in it, I just felt that having an independent midwife would be the best decision for us. Um, and luckily we were in a financial position to be able to have that. Um, also, also the fact that I just felt even with the programs like CMP, you are quite restricted in terms of their policies and guidelines. Um, and although a woman has total choice in everything and can choose or decline certain things, um, you're still really bound by those policies and guidelines where with an independent midwife, although there are guidelines, they're an autonomous practitioner and you just have a little bit more, not control, but, you know, direction of how you want things to pan out in a certain way and you work collaboratively with that midwife. And to me, that was something that was really important. Um, I think to people, even at work, like, when women saw that I was pregnant as a midwife, they'd be like, oh, and where are you having your baby? And I'd say at home and they just looked horrified and shocked that Mm -hmm. that would be even colleagues, which I was, it kind of saddened me because, you know, we are are all midwives and we're all about choice and that kind of thing. But it was like my colleagues were also, I think a bit in disbelief that that's what I would choose. Um, And yeah, that was a bit weird, but it just felt 100% like the right choice for us. So in the first pregnancy when we miscarried, we made contact. I'd done a lot of research and contacted a few midwives and we'd actually met with our midwife Lisa then um, and decided that we'd like to have a home birth with that pregnancy. And then when we had the miscarriage, she was really supportive and ended up driving out to where I live, which isn't really near where she lives, and just went with me for a walk on along the beach and had a big chat with me and just like I just felt so held by her like her her just being our midwife and I I knew and she always said to me that when you fall pregnant again let me know and like I'm more than happy to be a midwife again so it was always going to be Lisa um because we already had that relationship with her and she already felt like family to us so um yeah it was a no-brainer but it was also so nice I guess because she been through that with not with us like in the sense she was there but she understood what we'd been through and how long it took to conceive Ava that um yeah she and also I guess she understood like how and why I'd be feeling a bit more anxious in those first few weeks of the pregnancy um so it was really nice to have a care provider on board that totally understands and is um, really accepting of that as well so yeah amazing and, um, yeah, how was the rest of your pregnancy once you kind of got past that 
sort of 14, 15 weeks of feeling really anxious. Um, yeah. yeah to be a pregnancy. Um, health-wise, it was really good. Like it didn't have luckily any complications or issues. The only thing was low iron, but I've had that even before pregnancy. Um, I was also running my side business, um, the Mama's Alchemist, while working in the hospital. So I was quite busy and then COVID happened in the middle of that too. So that was a bit of extra stress and pressure. Um, but I ended up stopping work at 26 weeks in the hospital just because um, I predominantly, excuse me, I predominantly work on labor ward. Um, not my favorite area to work in. I much prefer um, areas like antenatal clinic and postpartum care, like in the home visiting midwife. But in the hospital I work in, we're often quite short staffed. So the core staff, the permanent staff often get put to labor ward. And I have seen a lot of births and a lot of births are really beautiful. And I've also seen not a lot of so positive births as well. And I think as my pregnancy went on, I mean, I'm always an empathetic person, but my level of empathy towards women and people was just increasing so much, probably hormones and Every time I'd look after a woman, I'd put myself in her shoes, I guess. Um, and I was getting, having a lot of nightmares and not feeling, I was just feeling this constant set of stress, I guess, um, constantly going into work and trying to hold space for women in their labor and birth and then also trying to be pregnant. Um, so I ended up taking my maternity leave um, about five weeks before I planned to. And honestly, it was the best decision I made. For myself because it, it took probably two weeks after stopping work to really unwind and all that adrenaline to stop rushing through my body I didn't realize how stressed I guess I was just seeing a lot of intervention and seeing a lot of things that you know I guess we all cope with things really differently but I I know how birth can look and there's a lot of things that happen within the system that I think sometimes they're really necessary because life is you know on the line but there's also a lot of things that maybe are not so necessary and I think every time something like that would happen I'd start being really fearful for my own experience although I knew I was planning a home birth um to feel that you know what would happen if I did have to transfer to hospital and these are my colleagues and you know how am I going to be looked after and what are they going to say about me and just this constant kind of thoughts through my head so stopping work at that point was a really good decision and my midwife the whole pregnancy was you know she said to me if you need to stop earlier like I'm more than happy to write a letter to support that to your like employer and um, I just felt a big change within myself when I stopped and I could just focus on my postpartum clients and my few acupuncture clients I was seeing um, and I just enjoyed that last I guess end of the second and the whole third trimester because I took that time for myself and was able to do a lot more things like yoga and walking every day and just I don't know really just I really valued that time on my own because I knew that even if we have another baby at some point which we'd love to like this was the last time for a very long time it would just be me um, where I don't have to think about my partner or a baby or anything like that so I really just um enjoyed and valued that time that I had for me and for myself at that time so yeah I really enjoyed all of the pregnancy but especially that last I guess that third trimester was like really really lovely oh that's so amazing I, I did something similar and I'm just 
incredibly grateful. I mean, I knew at the time that you're not going to let you, like you said, you're not going to get that time to yourself. And um, again, and it's yet yeah, so precious to take it while you can. It is. If, uh, if and I think too, we've got to like practice what we preach. You know, I'm always telling women to slow down that kind of thing in my job. And I really had to, it's so much harder to listen to your own advice, but um, yeah, absolutely taking that time. And it is a really sacred and special time. I think any pregnancy is anyway, but I think the first one and like all the things, the hurdles and things we had to go through to get to that point, um, I'm really glad. You know, even things like factoring in, in a date night or something like that, um, I'm really, really glad my partner and I also just had that time, the two of us, before we became free as well. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it was a really lovely time. And yeah, being a midwife yourself, um, you're already obviously very educated about birth, but did you do anything extra to prepare for your birth or any extra classes or read any specific books that you found helpful? I read two books in my whole pregnancy and they changed my life. They were the Rhea Dempsey books, the first book, Birth With Confidence, and the second book, which I've forgotten the name of now. Um, but I even... Beyond Sorry. the birth plan. I Beyond think. the birth plan. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. But I think even as a midwife, like I learned and gained so much from those books, like just a totally different perspective. Um, and we did talk about doing a birth class, but um, my partner, my partner is um, was a construction worker. He's now in a um, more of a management role, and I thought more maybe doing the birth class would educate and prepare him. But he's had just such trust and faith in home birth like more than you know and it was quite a, a foreign like concept because no one in his family's ever had anything like that but the whole time he was like you know what I just trust that everything's going to be okay and you know we've got Lisa and you know if we need the hospital it's 10 minutes away like everything's going to be fine he's like you can totally do this he's like women have done the, women have done this for thousands of years um so that was kind of great to have his I guess 100% support um, but my midwife at 32 weeks ended up doing a small like a little short um, I guess birth and labor preparation class for us both um, and bought like a little pelvis and a doll and I think my partner's really visual so it was really good for him to be able to I guess see and um, you know really obtain like what the process of labor and birth could look like and she also gave us like a lot of I guess sort of tips for the postpartum which you know it's kind of common sense, but I hadn't really even thought about like, you know, that maybe the first six weeks, they're not the hardest time. It's more after the six weeks, like the three month mark can be quite difficult. And just a few tips to, you know, when, he, for example, he finishes work at 3.30. So she said, you know, when you get home, maybe if you can take the baby for an hour or two and let Kate have a nap or just some time for herself so she can kind of recharge and those kind of little, I guess, tips that we all kind of know but to sort of hear them from someone else is quite helpful so it was good to have that um in the back of our head um before the baby came anyway so that's mm. all I really did but yeah those books were just so amazing I recommend them to everybody now mm. reading them. yeah definitely and I was just thinking while you're speaking we kind of focus a lot on you know if you're a midwife or a, a doula or a birth worker of some sort and you're pregnant kind of what you bring from your work and your education to your birth that's helpful but um yeah I think probably what what you take from your birth back into your work is you know potentially Absolutely. the most powerful thing and I said to my midwife so many times I have I'm trying really hard to unlearn everything I know which it sounds silly but 
as a midwife, you kind of know how, and working in the hospital, you know how birth looks. And it was so important to me to really separate my work from just being a woman and being a pregnant woman and being able to experience the pregnancy, the birth, the labor and everything as a pregnant woman and not as a midwife. So I really consciously had to try really hard to separate those two things so I could fully immerse and experience everything without overanalyzing and thinking with my midwife brain, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, I guess, another challenge I had that some other people that aren't a midwife or a doula, um, yeah, don't have to go through. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, heading into the final weeks of your pregnancy, how were you feeling and when did labour start? Um, so I was feeling really good. I was having lots of naps, doing lots of walks. Um, from about 37 weeks, like uh, all my family live interstate as well in New South Wales, um, but from 37 weeks I said to my mum, I'm not going to call you anymore. I'm just going to um, call you once a week on like a Sunday and we'll have a chat because I don't want to feel that pressure of every time you ring someone, oh, has the baby come, has the baby come. Um, I just didn't want that added stress or pressure. So I went offline. I stopped using all my social media. I stopped answering the phone from people like if I didn't really want to talk to them or I just mess, like text them more. Um, and I had two friends that are both midwives that were both living in Victoria um, and I just talked to them a couple of times a week um, more because they're the kind of people that made me feel really good when I talked to them and were really positive um, and when I was having little moments of doubt they really reassure me and make me feel that I could do anything like I'm really strong and amazing and that kind of thing um, so in that time I guess I also just really went I just felt this real I guess instinctive feeling to go inward and just really be on my own and I some days I just stay at home and lie down and read and not not do a lot Um, and that's just sort of what I wanted to do I didn't want to be around a lot of people and that kind of thing and I didn't really want to go that far away from home as well just not that I thought I'd have a baby on the side of the road but I just wanted to be close to where I felt safe and comfortable um and yeah my labor kind of I think I was 40 I got to 40 weeks and then had my appointment with the midwife and I had been having little breaths and hits throughout the pregnancy but nothing it wasn't painful or anything like that I just get on with my day um and then on the morning of 40 weeks and two days I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning with a couple of like cramps which woke me from my sleep which was a bit unusual so I put on a heat pack and then went back to bed um and then that morning I was just having quite a few irregular tightenings and I thought, you know, this could go on for days. This could be like ages. It's probably nothing. So I ended up going for a huge walk um, to see if anything would happen and it all just kind of fizzled out. Um, So I thought, okay, today's not the day. Um, And then I came home and had like a nap on the couch for about an hour in the afternoon and then again woke up with another pain. Um, I was like, oh, that's a bit uncomfortable. And so I got the heat pack again and my partner was due to come home like at 3.30 and I think it was about 1.30 or something. So he'd said before he went to work that morning, you know, call me if you need me to come home. And I'm like, I think it's fine. Like it's probably nothing. Um, so he got home at 3.30 and I was like, yeah, I've been having a few of these like tightenings. It's all good. But like they're coming sort of every 15 minutes. Um, and he's like, oh, okay, like 
you know, maybe the baby will come today. I'm like, oh, probably not today. Like it's, you know, probably a long way away. Um, and then it got to five o'clock and they were sort of coming a bit more regularly, like one in every 10 minutes. And I just, I didn't want to sit down. I just was, you know, I've been sitting on my football for like the last few weeks before and like sideline on the couch, but I just didn't, I just wanted to be upright pretty much. So I was like, I'm just going to do some ironing and I'm just going to fold this washing and just, I don't know, just wanted to do lots of little things around the house. And then at about yeah, five o'clock, my partner said, should we maybe just call Lisa and let her know that, you know, this is happening? I was like, yeah, like I can give her a call and just let her know what's going on. Like I'm not concerned or anything like that. So I gave her a call and she's like, oh, that's great. Um, I'm just going to go to bed um, at 7 p.m. And um, if anything happens or changes or your waters break or, you know, the contractions are lasting a minute, just um, give me a call. And I said, okay, no problem. So we had some dinner and I didn't really feel hungry, but I'm like, I probably should eat something. And then at about 7.30 p.m., my partner was like, I'm just going to maybe like time them. I'm like, okay. So I'd just say to him, one's starting, and then I'd say one of them, like it stopped. So he'd just look on his like watch or whatever, and he's like, oh, they're lasting like a minute. I'm like, really? And like that feels like it's about 20 seconds. Like it, in, in the actual moment of the contraction, it didn't feel that long. Um, and then I think he timed for a little while, and he's like, you're having like three in every 10 minutes. And I'm like, really I like it doesn't feel I'm like it doesn't feel like that's what's happening um and then he's like should we ring the midwife now and I'm like why don't we just wait if it keeps going on for an hour like this where they're coming three contractions in every 10 minutes I'm like then we'll call because I'm like I don't want to call really early and you know be that person but she'd already the midwife Lisa had already said to us um you know when when the contractions um start coming or you know if you need me there like just call at any time like I don't mind being there for a day if I have to it doesn't matter um so we called her at about 8 30 and the contractions yeah they've been coming three every 10 minutes for that hour so she just said to Aaron yep I'll like get myself organized and I'll be at your place around 10 o'clock so at that point I'd only been using the heat pack and I was just standing up and sort of doing figure eights and swaying and then I really wanted the TENS machine, but Aaron said to me, my partner, he was like, why don't we just wait a bit longer? Because if you use all your tools now, then you're going to have nothing left. Um, where at the time I was like, I just want it, but I'm glad I waited a little bit. Um, so I then just sort of was leaning over the couch on my knees and just sort of rocking my hips. And I turned off the TV. I didn't want any like loud noises or anything. I just um, had the lights really dimly and put on, I've made a birth, like just some, like a birth playlist on Spotify, like which I've been creating over the final weeks of my pregnancy. Um, and I just put that on in the background. And then, I don't know, the time all feels like a blur from then, but I think around 10 o'clock she got there. And I remember Lisa like turning up and sort of talking to me. And I was like, yeah, they're getting a bit stronger. And she listened to the baby. And then I said, I think I want the, um, I'd had the tens on for about an hour at that point. And then I just, I said to her, I think I want to get in the shower or try something else because they're becoming a bit more uncomfortable, but like I'm feeling fine. Um, so she just had a little feel of my tummy as well and didn't tell me what position baby was in, which probably was a good thing because then I probably would have started analyzing that. Um, so she told Aaron, my partner, to run the pool um, with some hot water. And then I was sort of just lying on the floor in our lounge room with that um she was my midwife Lisa was rubbing my back and then 
once Aaron put the pool on, he was setting up a few things in the house just um, that we needed. And then he came back in and I taught him all these acupressure points, which I often teach my clients. And I did a workshop earlier in the year to teach um, birth workers. So I taught him all of the acupressure points um, for labor and pain relief and that kind of thing. So he was just pushing on those for me with the contractions. And then ended up getting in the shower, which was really lovely. Um, And I was in there for a little while having a few contractions and the water was just, it was really nice to have the water um, for that just comfort, I guess. And then I, after a while, my legs started feeling really tired. So I thought I'd want to lie on the bed. Um, So I got onto the bed and Lisa said to me, look, I'll leave you for a little bit. If you need me, just yell out. But she was just going to sit in another room to give us a bit of space. So I laid down on my side and had one contraction and then, no, sorry. Yeah, one contraction came and I was like, I can't lie down. This is just, I want to be up. I want to be on my knees. I want to stand up. I can't, like, lying down, it just felt horrible. So I labored a bit more standing up and then I ended up getting in the pool, like in the birth pool, which felt really good. Um, And I was in there for a little while and just sort of between each of the contractions, just sort of having a little sleep um, and daisy, like, dozing off, dozing off, sorry, um, and had little candles everywhere. Like I'd set up the birth room, which was Arva's room, um, the baby room. So it was all set up with like birth affirmations and um, my mother-in-law had made, she'd organised the baby, like a baby shower for me and made this like bunting, like baby, like bunting for the shower, um, which I ended up putting in her room and that was there for the birth. And I just had a few things on a um, – a chest of drawers, like a little birth altar with some crystals and just like things that made me feel comfortable, um, essential oils and things like that. And some photos of, um, Aaron and I, and like of her ultrasound and some family and things like that, that made me feel like I was supported. Um, so I was in that room. It was like a really nice space. And then I don't know how long I was in there for, because like I said, time just sort of, it all blurred. But, um, then I remember feeling really hot and, I wanted to get out of the pool, so I came back to the bed um, in that in our room and just laid on the bed. And the contractions were getting really strong at that point, and I think that's when I sort of had, as Rhea Dempsey refers to it, as a crisis of confidence. Um, and I just felt like I couldn't do it, and I got a bit upset and started crying. And I just I kept saying, I remember, I just want to meet the baby, I just want to meet the baby, and I can't do it. It's really hard, and I can't keep doing this for so many hours. And Lisa and Aaron were like, you're doing such a good job, like you're doing a really good job and reassuring me. And, um, yeah, we laid back on the bed and she was, again, rubbing my back, which felt really good, and Aaron was doing the acupressure points. And then I just felt all this pressure in in my vagina, so I gave, like, a little involuntary push and my waters broke, um, which felt really good to get that, I guess, pressure feeling away. Um, and so Lisa was like, I'm just going to turn on the light and have a look at the color of the water. And I was praying like, please don't be meconium, please don't, you know, be meconium or the baby done like did a poo in the waters. But she said that it was clear and everything looked really good. So I then like felt really happy with that. And then she said to me, look, like it's really good. The waters have broken. She's like, but unfortunately the contractions are probably going to get more intense now. And I thought, oh no, like this is so full on and so intense. Um, and so I said, I think I want to get back in the pool again. So I just um, went to the toilet before I went back into the birth pool. And while I was on the toilet, um, I just felt inside because I hadn't had any vaginal examinations throughout the whole 
um, process. And so I just put my finger inside and I could feel a head um, probably like one or two centimeters like from the outside of my vagina. And I thought, oh, that means there's probably a baby not too far away. Um, and then I think after I felt that I knew that I kind of got this extra boost of energy and felt that I could do it, I suppose. Um, and I sort of had a little feel around. I mean, as a midwife, you do vaginal examinations quite often. So I felt around, I couldn't feel any cervix. So I thought, okay, I'm probably fully dilated and probably going to have a baby really soon. I didn't tell anybody that I did that. I just sort of kept that to myself as a little secret. Um, but then I got back in the pool and the contractions got so strong and intense that every time with a contraction, I just felt so much pressure, like I needed to do a poo. Um, and then out of nowhere, I started making all these really instinctive animal noises and like really loud. And I thought I'm going to wake up all my neighbors, but I just didn't care. I just had to keep just listen. I just did what my body wanted to, I suppose. Um, and Lisa just said, keep breathing if you can, but if you need to push, just like do what your body's telling you. So ended up, yeah, just started pushing because that's what my body told me to do. And I think the worst part of it or the most uncomfortable part was when the head was coming through the pelvis. It just felt like I just felt like that head is definitely not going to fit. It just felt so tight and uncomfortable. And then once we you know, there was a lot of swearing from me and a lot of reassurance from everybody, um, but got pushed that, her head through that part. And then I remember my partner kind of looking down in the water because he wasn't in the pool with me, but he said, oh my goodness, there's like um, a black mohawk of hair coming out of your vagina. And I was like, what? And then I felt down, I could feel lots of hair. So um, that was really exciting. And also I should mention, we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl we left it as a surprise um so yeah we didn't know what we were having so it was pretty exciting to think we were going to soon meet whatever like a, a, our daughter or our son I suppose um and then yeah after I felt the hair I think it was sort of like I thought to myself that's not that like we're gonna have a baby really soon so I ended up just pushing and within one contraction the head came and then I lifted her out of the water with my hands under her arms and put her on my chest. Well, I didn't know it was a she at the time, but I put the baby on my chest and then I guess I was just shocked that I did that and that one moment there's a baby inside and I'm going through labor and then the next moment there's this little person on my chest that started crying and then I pulled her out away from my chest and looked and I said, oh, she's a girl. And my partner was like, what? And we were just... I think we both had a feeling it would be a boy the whole time, the whole pregnancy. Um, and then to think we had a daughter was just, we were both in shock, like so happy, but just in so much shock that we have a girl. Um, and then I just cried of just, I guess so many emotions of like happy um, disbelief. Like I'd given birth and it was the most, non-intervening birth I'd ever seen as a midwife or you know as a midwife and as a birthing person as well like there was no intervention it was just my body did that and I just felt so proud and I guess excited that I'd done it like all the things I'd like worried about and all the anxiety I'd felt in my pregnancy like even before conceiving like everything led to that moment and I just I felt so proud and strong and empowered as a woman and yeah, it was incredible. 
Mm, so amazing. Beautiful. And you, yeah, you got to hold her on your chest in the water for a while. Did you, um, were you able to stay in the pool for a little bit? Yeah, so we stayed in the pool. I ended up having um, a physiological third stage. So, again, the first time as a midwife I'd seen that as well. So, and the first time, yeah, I think I'd seen one water birth before that too. So lots of first things for me, I guess, as well. Um, so, yeah, had the physiological third stage of the placenta. Um, and the backup midwife actually just missed the birth by about eight minutes. Um, so she came in after Arva was, yeah, so sorry, the backup midwife, um, she missed the birth by about eight minutes. Um, so then she came in and was like, oh, you've had the baby. And I was like, yeah, we've had the baby. Um, so, yeah, had the physiological third stage in the water. And then Lisa said, you know, you can stay in the pool as long as you want. Um, but my vagina was feeling like, I don't know if it was the water, like, swishing from the pool over it, but it was just so tender. Um, so I really wanted to get out of the water because I thought I've probably got a huge tear Um because I did like a lot of really big pushes towards the end with her head coming out. Um, so the midwife, Lisa and um, our backup midwife, Marilyn, helped me out of the pool and I got on my bed. They put like blueies and towels and everything there for me. Um, and we put Arva next to me um, and she was having a little feed. And then Lisa said, I can either check your perineum now for a tear. I can just, you know, you can feed and then we'll do it. And I said, just check it now. I just want to know what I guess there is. And there was just a tiny little, the perineum was intact, but there was a tiny little graze from the clitoral hood down the labia. Um, so they ended up suturing that a bit later just to, she recommended just sort of the, the kind of tear it was in the position that it probably just a couple of sutures would be really um, beneficial to help with the healing and you know I felt really comfortable to do that so we did that but yeah we just had we laid in bed and my partner was lying in here with us as well and um the backup midwife Marilyn made us some toast which is the best toast I've ever had probably because I was so hungry um and yeah we just had a really nice family time and the two of them the midwives just went out to like our kitchen and made themselves a cup of tea and did their notes and we just had this really beautiful family time with the three of us um we ended up leaving her placenta attached for well, probably three or four hours and we did a cord burning cord like we burnt the cord with candles um just as a symbolic kind of way to I guess thank the placenta for nourishing Ava and um, nourishing her throughout my pregnancy so that was a really nice um thing we were able to do and We've kept, I didn't encapsulate the, excuse me, I didn't encapsulate the placenta or anything. I um, I didn't feel that I wanted to do that, but we've kept it in the freezer because we're going to plant a tree in our, um, in our, ha- in our house, at, sorry, at our house for that. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah, to give back to the earth of, yeah, her placenta. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a really lovely time. And so nice, I think, with a home birth, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just you're at home and you know here for me at home is where I feel the most comfortable so it was just nice to have everything where I felt comfortable and safe and to bring our baby into yeah into our space in a really like um non-intervened comfortable physiological way yeah absolutely and it's funny you know hearing hearing back your birth story and and even retelling it and kind of thinking over it yourself um, you know, at the time, it's such a just so like um, I can't think of the word, but like a, just a full-bodied 
experience and you're so in the moment and then and thinking you know having all this kind of wild ride of hormones and then at the end you would look at it and go wow that was a really straightforward natural kind of progression of labor and I can really identify all those different stages and um and that sort of thing but in the moment it just yeah feels so overwhelming I know I think like I can it just felt like a big trip like you are kind of on this like portal journey of I can't yeah so incredible like even when I talk about it I feel really I feel really like excited because it just it was like one of those like once in a lifetime experiences it really is because you have when you turn off your brain and like you let your body take over it's it's just so incredible just to see and all the feelings you feel in in the you know even the doubt and the the joy and the all of the feelings it's just incredible Mm, absolutely and um, yeah, you were, it sounds like you were really prepared for your pregnancy and labour and having kind of worked in postpartum care before. How, yeah. how was your postpartum period and what sort of things did you set up to support you? Um, so I think, and I always joke to people, I probably prepared for the postpartum more than the birth or mm-hmm. anything else. Um, just from women I've looked after and I think in my job, I just know people don't value it and don't prepare as much as they wish they would have so for the last probably from 30 weeks in pregnancy I was cooking extra meals freezing them in my freezer um I I really wanted I didn't have a doula or anything like that but I really wanted something like the sort of service I provide women where I I do like a four-week package and I go visit once a week for two hours and the women get acupuncture and you know we have a chat and I can help them with breastfeeding or whatever they need but Unfortunately, there wasn't really any sort of service like that in Perth. Um, so I ended up organising a closing of the bone ceremony um, with a doula. It was just a one-off um, a one-off thing that she came and did for me. Um, and I had a couple of friends that came to that. Um, it was sort of like a ceremony, I suppose, but two close friends were able to come. And it was just a really lovely day. It was, I think, when I was about one week postpartum. Um, but yeah, it, I just felt really held in that space and it was just really nice to be able to do that with my friends and to celebrate, I guess, what my body had been through and really thank it for that. Like it, you know, that whole transformation of conception to birth and then to hold, to hold my body for that postpartum period. Um, and I guess everything I have done in my postpartum has been sort of to nourish and, um, be really gentle on my body. So I've been eating a lot of really warm foods. Um, Like I drink a kind of special herbal drink that helps to with healing and um, it helps the blood and your energy, I suppose, in Chinese medicine. Um, Also had like limited the visitors we had, like obviously my partner's family, they live here, they wanted to come. So they came, but we really limited visitors to sort of not every day and only for like a short visit and um, that kind of thing. And that was good. I think for me the hardest was the day four when people talk about, you know, day three, all the hormones. For me it was day four. And honestly, like I really wish I never have to go through that day again because it was so hard. I was having some really dark thoughts and I just I felt really scared. I just felt is this is this going to be how I'm going to feel forever? And I think when you've got sleep deprivation and you've got 
the massive hormonal shift and my milk hadn't come in yet and Ava was really, really unsettled that day and she was doing like a really unsettled cry that she hadn't done before. So I felt really helpless and didn't know how to comfort her and then she didn't want to feed and, you know, she just, I guess she didn't really know what she wanted and I didn't know how to help her. So then I ended up crying and she was crying and there's so many tears and, you know, I'd say things to my partner, like, promise you'll never leave me. Like, I don't want to be alone. I can't do this by myself. And he's like, why are you saying that? I'm never going to leave. It's fine. Like, I just felt really vulnerable and scared at that point. And um, I ended up calling a really good friend of mine that night at about eight o'clock. And just, I said to her, I've got no more tears to cry, but I, I am crying. I just don't have any water left in my body to cry out anymore because I've cried all day. And I just said to her, like, I'm exhausted and I don't know what to do and Arthur keeps crying and I've got no milk to feed her and, you know, can you, like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, do you want me to come over and stay the night? And I was like, yes, if you could come, that would be so good. So she drove 40 minutes to our house and as soon as she got here, my milk came in, like, in that time. <laughs> and I'm sitting in bed with, like, the lamp on and she just started feeding. And my friend's also a midwife, um, a really close friend, and she ended up, she said to me, can't you hear her swallowing? Like your milk's come in. And I was like, has it? Is that what that means? And she's like, yeah, like, in, and you know, I know all this stuff, but when you're in that moment, like it was like my brain forgot everything. And Nat was like, my friend, you're doing such a good job. And you know, all the things you're feeling are really normal. She's like, you're just really tired. Like you're so exhausted. Um, so she ended up taking Ava and, um, Nat slept on the couch that night and would take Ava and put her in her little Moses basket next to her. So my partner and I were able to have like sleep and then would just bring her in for whenever she needed to feed. So I just cried. Like I was crying because I was so grateful for her to do that. It was honestly like the best gift anyone could ever do or give to me and to us. And I just wanted to be held and it was like the first time my partner was able to hug me without a baby in between us and I just really needed that on that day. Um, and I even say to my friend now, like I, I will never forget that night like and her doing what she did. Like it was honestly the most incredible gift anyone could ever give anyone. Um, and her and a couple of my other like close friends, they're all midwives, they will pop over like once a week and they'll – hold the baby and they'll, you know, so I can have a nap or, you know, sometimes I just feel like having a chat and talking about like midwife girl stuff um, and hear all like what's been happening. So, you know, they'll come over and just sit on the couch with me and, and they'll like go in my kitchen and bake me some lactation cookies or, or like they'll bring lunch and, you know, I just feel really like supported in that way to have close friends be able to do that. Um, but yeah, you know, postpartum isn't easy and, um, I think it made me realize that the service I offer people is so special because it is holding people, even though it's only a, a short period of time, like that time for some women can be really valuable. And I've just sort of had to find that and navigate that in different ways from my friends and my mother-in-law and my partner and that kind of thing. And I've got some really good neighbors as well. Um, one of them actually had a home birth six months before me, like her first baby. So it's been really nice, I guess, have her and the other neighbors to sort of bounce things off because they've all got little kids um and to feel like that support from there as well so yeah it's been crazy yeah absolutely and you're still very much in it it's only it's only five only been five weeks and 
yeah postpartum lasts a lot longer as you said than that kind of few months yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely one question I love to ask at the end and I've forgotten to in the last few episodes but or I've run out of time but um would you yeah would you like to share at all kind of I know it's very early days but having had this kind of experience of your birth um how that will kind of change your perspective or what you would like for another birth or just um you know how you would feel entering another pregnancy or birth I feel really excited to be pregnant again um and to to have another baby again um I think in this pregnancy I also I did a lot of self-work um and dealt with a lot of things like with my psychologist on you know things from when I was a child not that bad things happened to me but processing like attachment theory and processing my relationship with my own mom and boundaries and all of those kind of big issues um which you know we all have them but I really worked hard to process them then um and I feel that that's was really helpful even going into my labor and birth and becoming a parent myself and I feel that even with the next time because I've processed all of those things it's going to be even that much more enjoyable I suppose because I can just enjoy being a pregnant person if that makes sense Mm, um yeah but yeah I definitely feel really excited for next time I hope it will be as the birth will be as amazing as that one I think it'll be very hard to top that but um yeah I just it's really nice I guess in this space to be able to share how positive I felt my birth was because too often we hear of really negative and traumatic birth stories and I felt kind of jaded as well in the system that unfortunately the maternity system and the way it is a lot of women do walk away feeling that their birth was traumatic or it was a negative experience and sometimes I feel quite ashamed and embarrassed to talk about how positive I felt my experience was because I don't want other women to feel that they were duped of that but I also feel that I did a lot of work beforehand and I made certain choices within my pregnancy and birth journey to give myself the best opportunity possible to have that home birth and that experience So I think, yeah, that was really important to me. And I think, um, yeah, that I guess I just wanted to say that as well because um, it's nice to be able to share how positive the home birth was in this, I guess, place. So. Mm, Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing. And I might, um, I might have just remembered the question from before. Okay. (laughs) Was in a similar sort of vein, but um, yeah, is there anything? kind of after having that experience that you've had and I mean you mentioned that a lot of the things at your birth were firsts for you even as a midwife is there yeah do you feel that there's going to be anything when you do return to work that you'll be doing differently or um yeah approaching differently after having had um your beautiful home birth absolutely um I already wanted to do my endorsed midwifery training like to become a private or an independent midwife so I feel even more strongly that I still want to do that Um, I plan to do it at the start of next year, but I think I'm just going to enjoy being a mum and then do that later down the track after kids. Um, But I feel I don't probably want to go back to work at the same capacity that I was working, like four days a week. I think to be the midwife I want to be and to be able to completely show up for women and um, hold space for them in the way I want to hold space for them. I can't be a midwife four days a week. I think I prefer to be it more on a casual basis um, and be able to really be present and in, enjoy and sort of, I guess, 
yeah, if I'm going to work within the hospital system. But I think I'd also like to work more in the community as well because I think that's where um, you can really shape women's ideas and postpartum um, their, in their pregnancy and postpartum experiences um, and plant those seeds to give them a really positive experience or outlook on their birth um, or whatever. Um, and I think within the current system and that model, it's really hard to do that. So um, I think, yeah, I'm all about women having choices and empowering them. And I think that, yeah, working less within the system and more sort of outside of the system um, is a good way to be able to do that. And I've, yeah, I felt that my experience really showed me that, yeah, it is possible to have a completely intervention-free birth if that's what is really important to you. So, mm. yeah, more than happy to, um, yeah, I'm really hoping to be able to do a lot more of that when I do go back to work at some point. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much, Indy. And, um, yeah, I hope you keep your podcast going because it's really good and positive for women to have somewhere to hear about home birth stories and, you know, how they can all look really different as well. It's not all straightforward and one size fits all. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Kate. You can find more photos from her pregnancy and birth on my website, keepbirthwild.com.au, and you can also find Kate on Instagram at the Mama's Alchemist. If you're currently pregnant and preparing for birth and postpartum, firstly, I'm so glad you're here listening along with me every week. Thank you. And also, I highly recommend heading over and listening to another podcast called Postpartum with Steph, as that's a wonderful one for hearing specifically postpartum stories and getting more of an idea of how best to be prepared for life after the birth of your baby. We often spend so much time on the pregnancy and birth that we have to sort of skip through postpartum a little bit, which is a real shame. But yeah, she does a wonderful job of sharing those stories uh, in depth. And if you're listening in every week and you're loving the podcast, it would be amazing if um, you're financially able to sign up as a Patreon supporter. There's options that start from just a dollar a week, um, which for an episode every week I think is pretty good value. Um, yeah, and it means a lot to me. And also 25% of all of the Patreon subscriptions and one-off donations um, get donated to a charity that supports Indigenous midwives. So yeah, please head over to my website um, and you can find out more about that under the donate tab. And I look forward to bringing another episode next week.